You're in for a treat today because I have very special guests on. Yes, I said guests, plural. And if you're wondering, do other people think like this? Do other people do this when they're jealous? Well, stay right here because you're going to hear from two women who probably think just like you or similar to you. And they have went through my group coaching program. They're going to share their struggles and their successes with you. And make sure you stay till the end because you're going to have an opportunity to join the Building Trust Bootcamp group coaching program. It starts in November. I'm your host, Shannon Bryant. There's a lot here for you today. So let's get going. Heather and Roxanne are a part of one of my group coaching programs and fellow jealousy sufferers, just like you. Thank you both for being so vulnerable and not only sharing your experience about the group coaching program that you're in, but also being vulnerable in sharing your stories. So I just want to say thank you to both of you and happy to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about this. Roxanne, you have been suffering many years from jealousy. When did you first notice it? What was going on? Did you know that it was jealousy? What was happening? Back in grade school, when I was like seven or eight years old, just focusing on having a boyfriend rather than paying attention to the the nuns in school. And just like if one person took the boy away, I started to feel like that sick gut feeling in my stomach that I still have today at this age. So Mm. I would think probably back then. Wow. All the way seventh or eighth grade. I mean, really, when you first started probably having interaction or or at least romantic feelings for the opposite sex. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes I question myself, you know, I probably shouldn't be so interested in boys at that age, but it was just, I guess, my nature to be that way. So you've always been a little bit boy crazy, sounds like. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. I think, did you, um, because I kind of experienced that as well. I don't know if I would call it boy crazy, maybe, but I do think they always played a really big role in my life. Yes. I felt complete if I had a boyfriend. And actually, I guess pretty much the crowd I hung around with, everybody had a boyfriend. So you were always like very possessive of the boy that you had. And it's just so funny because my best friend and I, who are still best friends today, we both were interested in brothers. So it wasn't just you, but it almost seems like you ran in circles. Like that was it. You all, all the girls in your circle, you all were competing for the boy or competing to see and make sure like you have to have a boyfriend that shows your status, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I never thought of it until you said that. It was like, if you didn't have the boyfriend, then you weren't cool. You had to have that, Mm. that sidekick on the side. Oh goodness. Okay. So You noticed it very early on. You've been struggling with it. How do you feel like it's showing up today in your life? How has it shown up as an adult? It has continued throughout many, many years. In one of our coaching calls recently, you said the magic word. It was comparison that that's Mm. what I was. So today at this stage of my life, it's all about looks and comparison. And I realized 
that's pretty much what I do is compare myself to someone else to make sure that they're going to like me or am I as pretty as them. Comparison has taken away so much of the time in my life. I realize now that all these years, I am I comparing myself? I didn't need, I didn't need to, but I need it. Need be need is always a word in my life. I just needed somebody to talk to to say, hey, am I okay? Like, I'm comparing myself. Do I fit into this group or role? Heather, we talk a lot about comparison, and you shared a little bit in group coaching about your struggles with comparison and not feeling like you fit in. Yeah. So I think I've struggled most of my life starting early in grade school, feeling like I didn't uh, amount up to other people's expectations, thinking I didn't fit in with other kids, especially other girls. I felt like I was constantly comparing myself against other girls in my class or friends as either competition or I'll never be good enough. I'll never be accepted by them. I was always kind of priming myself for rejection anytime I would interact with other people because I felt like I just wasn't worth their time. So just feeling in a way like you weren't good enough or as good as the other girls in school? Exactly. Is there anything that stands out that that happened to start making you feel that way? I think it's just throughout my childhood, a series of small rejections. Um, mostly from other girls of just, you know, trying to put out a bid for connection and to be friends with somebody and them kind of not wanting to be my friend or making fun of me, saying something mean or passive aggressive. And then in turn, I internalize that and make it about myself. Like, oh, there's obviously something wrong with me because these girls are not being nice to me. Yeah. And it stinks. It's like if you could go back and tell yourself, like, it's not you. Kids can be really mean and say things. I don't know if that's part of just the inhibition when you're young, too, because you're not realizing what you can do to somebody. But being young and impressionable, then we take that information and we carry it with us. The crazy thing is, we talk about this a lot, is We start to form these opinions of ourselves, these stories that we tell ourselves, and then we never go back and do inventory and go, wait a second, is that still true? Like, how did that start? And can I look back at that and see that it was not something that I should have taken with me, right? Right. Yeah. And that programming sticks around forever. I mean, if you don't rewire it, you know, it can take years to undo it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part, too. And we do that a lot in in the group coaching program. We're going in and we're trying to rewire things. We're trying to change some habits. And it becomes really interesting when we can take a look. We do a, a lifeline exercise and we can take a look at, well, how did maybe these form or what happened in my life? where these things came up. Was there anything that you really noticed as you did some of the exercises, as we worked through some of the things where you're like, oh, that's been around for a while. I don't need that anymore. 
Hey you, I just wanted to pop in and let you know the doors to the Trust Building Bootcamp are now open. Are you tired of feeling anxious and insecure in your relationship? Do you constantly worry that your partner's cheating or they're going to leave you even when there's no evidence of betrayal? Do you feel like, oh, I just can't trust even myself sometimes? Well, that was me. And if it sounds like you, it's time to stop second guessing. And I know some of the thoughts that you have, like, is this something that anyone would be upset about? Or am I just worried about it because of my jealousy? Well, mark your calendars for Wednesday, May 29th, because that's when our trust building bootcamp begins. In our weekly one hour sessions, you'll learn how your brain is choosing unhealthy strategies to get your needs met and how to pull yourself out of those insecure habit loops. I lead every session live to give you guidance to learn to trust not only your partner, but yourself. Whether you're struggling with past traumas or simply want to strengthen the foundation of your relationship, this boot camp is for you. And believe it or not, we actually have fun. Don't let your fears hold you back from experiencing the love and security you deserve. Spaces are limited, so visit topself.com to sign up or simply click the link in the show notes to take your first step to a more trusting relationship. You won't regret it. See you there. I've always had a belief that like, if I don't keep somebody interested, like actively engaged, they're mm-hmm. going to drift away from me. They're going to uh. lose interest if I'm not, you know, good enough, strong enough, smart enough, entertaining enough. Yes. And I have to like earn my place in a relationship or in a friend group. I'm sure. For you to constantly keep that up of like, well, what else can I do? What else am I going to do? How can I keep this going? How can I keep them interested? Yeah, exactly. And I know you are not alone in that because I do talk to a lot of people who feel like I have to be entertaining. I have to be interesting. I'm boring anymore. We've lost the, the spark. And they think that that then is what's going to make their partner stray or they're worried about it or they're exhausted because they're trying to keep that up. So I think I'm going to do an entire episode on that because I do see that a lot. It's showing up a lot in people who are jealous. It's one of the things that they are that they're struggling with. So thank you so much Heather for bringing that up. So I did an entire episode about my mini meltdown in Costa Rica at the beginning of this year. And for about 24 hours, I really considered not doing this podcast anymore because I felt like, oh my gosh, if I'm still having these moments and these setbacks and this weakness as I took it in the moment, how can I possibly help anyone else? Like, I am not fit to do this. This doesn't make sense. I just need to shut it all down. And I really had a lot of self-doubt going on about if I should continue or not. And at first, it was my husband who was like, even more of the reason that you should keep doing it. And then, you know, myself finally saying, yeah, I should keep going. And 
I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this experience because I try to be as forthcoming. I try to be as transparent as possible. I obviously don't share everything, but I try to be as transparent as possible. And I thought, I don't want people to think that if they have a setback, if something happens again, that it's just all up in smoke and forget it. And I'm just never going to feel better. This is never going to be better for me. Because even though I had that mini meltdown on the beach in Costa Rica, my life And my husband's life and our relationship is so different than it was eight years ago. So even with that and him saying like he could point out the differences, even though I still had a meltdown, he could point out those differences. So that's what I did. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to share the story and hopefully that'll help people. So I recorded an entire episode about it. Then about a month later, almost to the day, I received an email saying, thank you for sharing. I'm so glad I found your podcast. I just listened to your episode about your meltdown in Costa Rica. Thank you so much. I finally feel like I found a place I found someone, I found a platform of someone who understands me. And Roxy, we haven't talked about this, but that email was from you. And it literally was almost to the day, a month later. I still have the email. It was February 20th, and my trip was at the end of January. I was still, I think at the time, having had COVID, I was still coming out of it. And that email, getting that email from you and hearing that it was actually that episode that kind of made you feel like, oh my gosh, somebody who goes through the same thing as me. So I just wanted to say thank you because that made me feel like, okay, that was the right choice to keep going. And definitely, if I was going to keep going, the right choice to share that episode and to talk about my experience. So I'm sure there are going to be more experiences in my journey here that I'll just continue to share those because, um, you know, I I guess I just wanted to say thank you for letting me know that that was the right thing. That was me, right? That was you. Yes, I remember that email. So that was the beginning of this year, close to the beginning of this year when you sent me that email and you were in desperation at that time. So tell me, like, what was going on? What was happening in your life where you were on this search to find something when you came across the podcast? What was happening? I retired and I had more time now to focus on all my threats before, you know, at work, you're busy, but now I'm retired. I'm looking at myself. I was overweight, hated myself, and would look constantly for someone to help me. I would search, search, search for all the jealousy podcasts. And then I came across yours and I started walking miles and miles and listening to every single podcast of yours. And whatever you were saying, every single one made me feel so normal. Oh my God, there's finally someone that is t- is saying what I feel and and talking the words. And I said, this is amazing. I, I need to find her. I had to reach out to her. 
I want to hug her. And then when I heard the Costa Rica, it, it was me. It was me in Florida on the beach. And I'm like, holy crap, this is, this is a sign. So thank goodness that you, you did not end it. Because you even said that on the podcast. You said, I was even not sure I was going to do this. So thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. And keep counting. Ah, no, coming. thank you. Because every time you record something, or everything relates to all of us. So keep them coming. Thank you. Thank you. I will, um, yeah, as long as I can and as long as people keep listening, then I'll keep trying to put them out there. What would you say your biggest hurdle with jealousy has been? Like, what is it that, as you were older, was the biggest struggle in relationships for you? Trust was a major issue for me. And I felt really bad for my partner because he's the most trustworthy person I've ever met now, especially right now. I realize it, again, thanks to this coaching that I'm going through with you and the group, like right now he's away. And before I would be like, I don't even think I could talk on the podcast on the recording because I'd be thinking all these other things are going on. And now I'm relaxed. I trust again. Uh, So it feels so good. Yes. But yeah, that was a definitely major issue. Well, and you had some infidelity issues in your background, right? Yes. My father... And my first husband, we met when I was 15 and we were together since I was up till 33. He was an alcoholic. And, um, yeah, it took me a long time to, to trust again, anyone, not even just my partner, but anyone. Have you guys noticed that as well? Cause I noticed it with me and I don't think it was just because. I took other females as threats, but I also just didn't trust anyone, not even just a partner, but people would always say, oh my gosh, you're so hard to read. I can't tell if you like me or you don't like me. It's like you've got this wall up. So even with women coworkers or anyone, do you have you guys both experienced that where you feel like it? At some point, it was it wouldn't matter if it was a romantic relationship or anyone that you felt like you kind of had walls up or no? Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had walls up even in platonic relationships. I've always had a fear of getting too close, getting too intimate with people. Uh, again, you know, that fear of rejection, the fear of being seen and the fear of being hurt. I think you touched on it right there, like fear of being hurt because and maybe it was tied to like, oh, if I'm close to them, then they're going to be close to my partner and then, you know, maybe they'll do something to where I can't trust them. I don't know. I don't know where that part came from, but I just definitely knew I experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I've I've certainly experienced not wanting to interact with certain people for fear that they were going to interact with my partner and trying to like keep those parts of my life separate. Mm. That would be bay. Yes, Roxanne, that's true because you're very much like me in terms of going to a restaurant, going anywhere and looking for those potential threats and being really aware of them. Yes, it, if there is a threat in the room, that's all I focused on and it would ruin the whole night for for every, everything would be, it would be horrible. And then I would just wish I could do it again. I just wish I could do it one more time. I wouldn't do it that way. 
Like I knew I was watching myself like a movie, seeing myself thinking, why am I doing this? But I couldn't control it. It was just like a movie Mm -hmm. in my mind that this is normal. This is what you need to do. And if I can say this, you've taught me to look for other things rather than that threat. And that has helped me so Mm -hmm. much. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. I'm going to have you share that experience. But I want to get from Heather because I don't think we came back to it. In the group coaching program that you were in, I teach for about the first 10, 20 minutes. Sometimes it goes a little longer than that. And one of the lessons that we talked about is you can't move what's in your way until you own what you think, do, and say. What is your biggest hurdle in your adult life when it comes to jealousy? Like, What is the biggest thing for you? that really stands in your way, gives you a hard time? What makes it rough for you? Currently, what I'm working on right now is I often struggle in getting caught up in my own stories, whether it's something I make up in my head or something that I just, you know, like, for example, my partner might say another woman's name or start to mention them, somebody from work or somebody they know through a mutual friend. And I begin to create this story around them because Mm -hmm. where you get you get the feeling and then your brain has to justify the feeling. Oh, well, there must be a reason I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. There must be a reason I'm anxious in this moment. There must be something going on. I also have a tendency sometimes to be affected by other people's stories, even just hearing somebody else talking about infidelity or, you know, you could even be scrolling on social media like the TikTok reels or whatever. And all of a sudden something comes up like, oh. I found out my husband and I got to like, nope, 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 swipe, swipe. Because yes. just otherwise it burrows into your brain and it starts planting those seeds of something might be going on in my life. Yeah. Like if a friend or a coworker is talking about their partner, you know, they found out that their partner cheated on them. It absolutely, if we are not careful, if we don't have some strategy in place to handle those situations, that could absolutely spark that. Yeah, it's like when you're watching a scary movie and your brain thinks it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when we start to think that, then our body does think, oh, this is really happening. Yeah, Roxanne, we did an exercise with you because yours was different. We know you live on the beach or close to the beach. It's somewhere that you guys go, but you struggle with that all the time. So can you... Talk through the exercise that you did and then how that worked out for you or what happened. Sure. Instead of going out for a um, beautiful day to enjoy on the beach, before I would look for the threats, like I would get my chair and then here comes the threats. So Shannon told me to look for something else and she says, look for hearts. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. Focus on hearts. So when I went to the gym, the first heart that came up was on the elliptical the very next day. And I, cause I didn't, I said, I'm not going to see hearts. I just know I won't, but there it was. And I'm like, Oh, my first heart went to the beach that day. Still so excited about the heart on the elliptical. I said, okay. And then the next thing I look in the sky, there's a heart and a salad. Looked in, my lattice was shaped like a heart, like the whole time, but not realizing like, wait a minute, you're not thinking of the threats. Look how nice this day is going. You're just having such a great day. And I was just so excited. I wrote it all down. So when I 
do like start going to that pattern again, I bring out my journal and I look at all the different hearts that I saw and I come, I've been continuing that exercise ever since you gave it to me. So I might need something else to look for. Yeah, I know. We're going to like, we're going to have you look for money. Okay. Me and Heather, me and Heather are going to send you on a, yeah. Yeah. Find some money for us or something, right? Like we're going to, yeah, do something really good and juicy. Yeah. Before we go, Heather, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for someone who is struggling with jealousy? It's taken over for them and it's really showing up on a daily basis. Anything you want to share? Words of wisdom for them? I would say don't be ashamed of what you're feeling, but rather look at yourself with compassion. Treat yourself with compassion. Yeah, it's really important to not be ashamed of it because when we're ashamed of our jealousy, when we're ashamed of our insecurities, then we're hiding from them. Then we don't want to talk about it. And when we don't want to talk about things, then we don't get curious and we don't dig in and we don't pull out that awareness. That makes it really hard to turn down the volume on jealousy. So I love that. Thank you so much, Heather, for giving that nugget of advice of don't be ashamed of it. You know, just get curious about it and see what happens. I love it. I appreciate both of you, like I said in the beginning, being vulnerable, being on the show, being willing to just share a little bit about your story, because I think it's important for other people to hear others' experiences. I'll be opening another group coaching program here very soon in just a couple of weeks. So I would love for you to share because what I think people are worried about or initially get nervous about with group coaching is, I don't want to talk about this stuff in front of other people, but I always see it where within the first couple of weeks, then everybody starts to get comfortable. Can you briefly just talk a little bit about your experience in the group coaching and how you're feeling about it? It's been the best coaching I've ever had, all the money I spent all the therapy to have this one podcast help me. Um, I was very worried about my age and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I was embarrassed like to be this old, to, to have these problems. And then it kind of helped. It made me want to help the other girl, uh, people. When I hear them talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I've been dealing that with my whole life. So hopefully this podcast helps them not to be mm-hmm. this lovely age that I am now. But you know what? I have years left in my life and I am peeling back the layers of everything that I had damaged and I'm coming out with a whole new feeling and outcome. And I'm just, I feel like I've really met a great group of people. Yay. What a great place to end on. I, <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And I, yeah, I see the connections that start to build. And it is funny because in previous groups, like Dave has stayed in contact and they help to support each other. So I always think that's a good thing is you can understand where somebody else is coming from. And so even when one thing, like you can see it from a different perspective, even though you may struggle with the same thing, um, Heather might be able to see it from a different perspective and be able to share and support somebody else and same thing with you. So thank you so much, both of you, for being on and for 
sharing some of your story with us. Thank you so much for being on Top South.